Hi, everybody. It's Michelle Jackson. I am here for our February Pen Posse. It is Black History Month, and we are so excited to be here to talk about a topic that I think is going to be interesting for everyone who's writing, and that is writing for the culture. And what is the culture? You know, the culture, when we say that, or when you hear someone say that, they're talking about Black culture, right? Culture that did not just form when we reached the shores of America at the bottom of a slave ship, but culture that was infused with so much power and presence and reality from our heritage as African-Americans. And our African heritage is what we are going to talk about, how it is infused in, in the work from books to music to the arts and, and film as well. So today we have a panel and they are all here to not only talk about their or give us their take on writing for the culture and building the types of art and, and work that is going to empower the black community, but also here to answer questions from you. So we will be here for two hours and we are here to answer any questions that you have. You can drop those questions in the chat box on Facebook, or if you go into our stream yard, if you see there's a link in the post you're probably looking at right now, you can actually sign up and make sure that we can see who you are and see your questions. So we're all here for you. So we're talking about writing for the culture. And let's just stop. Give everybody a breather. We've got two hours. It's going to be dynamic. And before we get into the heat of things, let's first let you see our new promo for our Pin Posse podcast. Let's bring on all of our panelists. Hello, everybody. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. How's everybody today? Good morning. Good morning. Doing great. great. How are you? Good morning. Good awesome. morning. We've, we've got people already out there dropping comments. So we're ready to, to rock and roll and talk about a topic that I think is very important to all of us because we are talking about writing for the culture. Mm -hmm. And I have to stress that when we say the culture, we're talking about black culture because people are saying this, this is becoming kind of a, a, a phase, phrase that everybody's using, but this is about writing for the black culture and not just writing books, but also film and what we're writing in our music and what we're doing with the arts as a whole. So we have a dynamic panel here today to talk about this topic. And we're gonna give everyone a couple of minutes to introduce themselves. And then we're gonna get hot and heavy into talking about, we're gonna start off by talking about music and what we are hearing in our music and why is this so important for us. So this idea of the culture is gonna be the first, very first question we have is understanding what everyone on this screen, actually, let's just speed up the process by saying, introduce yourself, and then tell me about what you, how you define writing or working for the culture. And we'll get that done, get that question out now. And then we're going to go straight into talking about music, because I, I think many of you, all of us have a lot to say about what we're hearing in our music and whether it is empowering our communities 
or not. So let's start with you, Ava. Ava, introduce yourself. Okay. Hi, uh, I'm Ava. I do a lot of work around horror, equity, and compassion. I try to bring those things together along with pop culture to offer accessible ways to even learn about your culture or learn about the world you live in. So that's the main of what I do. And I guess for me, that's the crux of like everything is that people are being denied their own reality. And I think there's a lot of ways to deal with that without going full academia and without making something so high level that no one understands it. And horror is the most, it's the most popular genre. I mean, it always knocks it out at the movie theaters. It's always really good with, you know, its numbers. So I try to bring those things together and so far so good. So that's like what I've been up to. So Ava is the winner, was the winner of our 2022 Black Creators Collaborative um, Writing Competition. And um, she writes horror, which is a field that a lot of people don't write in. And we don't have a lot of Black people that write in the field of horror. I mean, I think um, what's coming out now, you know, Get Out and some of the others that are, you know, I, I actually went to see Megan the other day, which is co-written by an African-American writer. Uh, I loved it, you know, and I thought it was really great. So talk to us about this idea of writing for the culture. Why do you think it's important as a horror writer that you keep in mind or that that you are doing everything you can to infuse the culture into that work? Talk to us a little bit about that. Okay, yeah. Um, well, right now I'm actually doing a whole thing around uh, survivors, like Black horror survivors, and trying to give that some leverage because even though people think that it's always the first person that's not necessarily accurate all the time. So a lot of what my project is about is helping people understand like you're living a false reality. Like that's something we've all just accepted without actually checking. And so you think this isn't yours, but it is, is also what I'm trying to create. Like I think horror can really do that because it's the only genre or topic where you don't need to polish it to show up. Like they're not looking for anything to be like perfect or really clean. Like they want the actual story. Like they're going to take it far enough where it affects you when you start thinking deeper about things. So I try to, you know, help people understand that. And I've actually had a lot of success with like people who are older than me and finally being able to get them to understand like what my obsession is about and why it means so much to me and how ingrained we actually are in that field. You know, it's like about visibility, like, it's just assumed that we're not really part of that, but there's a lot of black people working in horror. There's a clear crossover between horror and hip hop. You know, LL Cool J's been in horror films. Kelly Rowland was in a horror film. Like that's a very usher. It's a very popular crossover. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that, but we just don't want to check because our bias against the genre and our perceived reality about what, where we are and what we contribute to as far as like art goes. Uh, no, nice. Thank yeah. you so much for being with us. So excited to have you here. Know you're going to add a great deal to the conversation. Those out there, if you are writing in the horror field, we have a horror writer here. You have an opportunity for two hours to ask questions. I definitely think you should do that. So, Mr. Steven, talk to us about yourself. Tell us about yourself and your ideas about writing for the culture. Yes. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you so much, Michelle, for having us on here. Um, really excited to be next to Ava, a horror writer. You know, I, I hadn't really expanded my mind a lot into it. It kind of scares me, but 
to hear you, the way you talk about it and position it is, is awesome. Um, I'm based in Chicago and I've written a graphic novel series, a start of a series called Ancient Futures. And this is, this is it right here. It debuted at uh, Chicago Comic-Con last year uh, based on a successful Kickstarter. Uh, the, the graphic novel is also listed on the direct to author. Shout out, Michelle. Thank you. And it's, uh, I like to describe it as a book about Afropunk assassins at the end of space time. And what, what I'm getting at here is it, this book deals with a lot of deep scientific uh, themes. And it also deals with uh, the, the cultural milieu we live in today where um, organizations and hidden forces try to, uh, try to kind of manage our knowledge. And those that, that seek to go against that are going to be either canceled, deleted, uh, chased after. So this book gets into all of that. Um, it, and it also deals with ancient mysticism. And I, I'm, I really am into uh, you know, alternative histories and things like that. And Michelle, I see a lot of the events you know, in New Orleans and I, I'm reminded of the Dogon tribe in Africa. Some of the people in those costumes, I don't know if it's that exactly, but a lot of people don't know. Ancient Africans knew so much about astronomy and the planets. And so I'm trying to introduce some of those kind of things. So when it comes to uh, writing for the culture, for me, uh, you know, culture can be a really great thing, but I think the writer's job is to challenge the culture and remind the culture of how far we can go and never to get stagnant and, and put people in a box, you know, and, you know, the culture can, you can have culture police, right? You know, and uh, so I think writers are always standing out to to challenge the culture. So I'll, I'll stop there, Michelle, see if that... Uh, with my intro. No, I love it. I love that you're writing in this genre, something once again, like Ava, we don't see a lot of, but I am always so um, interested in how you are building these stories, these futuristic stories, these these stories that um, that are so dynamic, because when I think of Africans, I think that we're such innovative, innovative minded people anyway. And so, you know, when you were talking, I thought about this concept of you know us coming from the dark continent and that that this idea that we don't understand our history and that history started for us when we hit the shores of America it's not true we were kings and queens back then and it's so good to know that you are tapping into that mysticism and bringing it forward and I see that in a lot of the other some other works that are out there I mean we were all blown away with um, Black Panther yes and the idea of having this whole um, this this planet that's focused on just, you know, black excellence and innovation and all these different things. And I love how everybody was so excited about it. And I'm like, we've got to believe we've got to we've got to put that in our heart that that's who we are. We, we, we can't just see it one time on TV and go, oh, that's cool. And we've got to know that is exactly where we came from, which is a great deal of, of it's greatness. So thank you so much for being with us. And we're going to really learn a little bit more, uh, a lot more about you and your ideas around black culture. Absolutely. And um and we're going to tap into your mind about uh, how the past has impacted the future when it, or the present and the, how it will impact the future when it comes to uh, our stance on music and books and film and different things like that. So, Miss Paulette, Ms. Our author Paulette, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you? Thank I'm you great. so much for having me on your show. 
So uh, just to give you a little bit of background about myself, I have uh, 40 years of business experience. I've owned a salon, uh, gosh, worked for a government agency for 30 years, and I've written five books. Uh, I am retired. I'm a part-time professor, and uh, I've been writing uh, just really at this point for my television show. I, I'm going to launch a show in actually the end of March, March 28th. And uh, what else? Gosh, uh, cinematographer, producer. And so uh, with, and relatable to your, your question here, um, how is Black culture or how is it the writing of it defined? I would say that when I started writing for children, I started writing a book for my granddaughter or I wrote a book for my granddaughter and I realized that her experience going to dance class is called Layla Goes to Dance Class. And the work that she put in, the practicing, the recitals and it, it's vigorous for a child and and I thought that that would open the door for other little girls that are thinking about dancing entering into that world and so when you talk about how does it impact our culture we have to show our young people um you know, we have to give them that vision and inspire them, empower them that they can do anything. Um, coming from grandparents who are great grandparents who had, you know, my great great grandmother had an eighth grade education, but she was a businesswoman, an entrepreneur. She, um, allowed 13 women that were mentally challenged that were not black into her home and she took care of them. And with that, she was making 20,000 a month in the sixties. So she was able to send my grandmother to USC private college, graduated boarding school, all of that. And so these types of stories, our history, um, is so important to uh, empower our young people. And as Stephen spoke about managing our knowledge, that's been the problem the whole time, that the information has been um, really, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it's, it's been kept from us, you know, we, we're only allowed to receive certain types of information over the years. And we've had to go underground to get information, to learn about things that certain people don't want us to know. And so as we have evolved through education, through writing and just expanding, I think the internet has really allowed everyone to um, learn about anything. And so we have to utilize that. That is a traffic tool to communicate to our people. Um, 
I recently did an interview, and I'll just be real quick with this, with a, a friend of mine who went to Africa. She was actually, uh, they, they crowned her as queen of a village. And, and one of the things that really touched me was that they, were, they did that because they wanted her to tell people here that, you know, our, that their people were taken from us mm -hmm. and that we want those people back. We want them to know that we love them. And that, you know, and when I looked at the people, they looked just like us. Like you see somebody that looks like somebody you know. And so with the conversation, I think that um, it is only our duty to, to just empower and show the riches of our culture. Um, that video, it did not show hungry people starving and all of that. These people were laughing and jumping and singing and dancing. I mean, I was crying watching it because I thought it was a big lie that we only time we see pictures of Africa, they're, they're all bones and skin and they're, you know, they're suffering. And this was not the case. And so, um, well, we really that. love that. That's excellent. Thank you so much for being here and for adding that to the conversation, which is going to be really what we talk about is this journey that we've had as a people. Yes. And, you know, there's there's so much happening now in the world that's trying to get us to forget or trying to erase our history. Because what happens when we really know the truth? You know, right. and that's exactly what you're saying is that your joy was like seeing their joy and understanding and they understanding that we were great people. We have all we come from greatness. Yes. And so um, that's why I believe and we can get into this at some point. But I believe that's what the book banning and all that <laughs> stuff is really about, is that the Internet has opened up a great line of communication where yes. we can tell our own stories. We can control our own narrative. Yes. I don't have to wait for a big time publisher to publish my book, I can publish it myself or yes. I can blog about it or I can post yes. about it on social media. I have communications in my hand. I literally can create, I am kind of, and I have a PR firm. So I know this, you, you can, you can become your own media outlet in some way. Yes. Now, there's a lot of misinformation there too. I'm not celebrating it, but I am celebrating the opportunity to control the narrative about who I am as an individual. So yes. the more we have that control, the more we can dispel what has been told to us or not taught to us. Yes. We should have been learning the truth. We learned a hybrid of the truth about our history. That be has regenerated a great deal of fear for right. many people. And so that's why I wanted to talk about this topic in this month, Black History Month, to talk about this culture and why it's important that we tell our stories, whether it's horror, sci-fi, children's general fiction, erotica, whatever, we need to control the narrative and we need to get get take control in some instances, which I think is kind of the situation with music. We have to learn to get in front of it a little bit more so that the music is more empowering. So thank you so much for being with us. We're definitely going to learn more about your children's book and congratulations on your TV show. I'm just happy to have you here. And for the record, everybody, I don't know everybody here, okay? I pull people based on they submit, we select, 
And these are all, most of them are all new to me. I only know Ava. I know Antoine because he's always posting. He's always supportive. And I know, I, I see his activity on social media. But this is why I do this, because we want to have different views about these topics. So, Dr. Katz, please introduce yourself. Good morning, everybody. Thank you, definitely, Michelle, for creating the space. I think that's so important. I'm Dr. Kat, and so I come from a self-help point of view, nonfiction. Um, I, my background, I'm a clinical social worker, and so I focus on writing that is culturally relevant and really helps us relate. So my latest project it's affordable, check it out. I, um, having the last say is a guide for end of life planning. So depending, we all play different roles in life, right? Um, you may be a caregiver, you may be a mother, you may be a daughter. So depending on your role or a son or, or whatever, you need a guide, you need tools, you need a mechanism to help you through it. And you need people who can relate to your situation. So that's really where I come from. And I think that it's, it's so important for us to have people that can understand hey what i'm going through what 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 i may be facing so a lot of my work is dedicated to um, our experiences from the workplace to family um, and my next project will be working with uh, black women and how we are, see ourselves so you asked the question about the music i think it's so conflicting when we talk about music because at some point as a woman right you want to be appealing you want to look good you know we spend a lot of money investing in ourselves on the other hand we don't want to be talked about in such a negative way sometimes or do we it depends. And do we feel guilty about that as well for in a moment when I want to feel appealing and, and, and look good and someone is appreciating me to the moment, okay, now you've crossed the line and you're calling me out my name and now I'm feeling disrespected. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it, and then what about the females that are just, you know, for me, it's so out there. But is that wrong when you're using explicits, you're really targeting like, hey, uh, this is who I am. So that conversation with the music is so deep, but so relevant. It's where, where can we keep the fine line? Where can we set the boundary? And also respect those that are completely comfortable with expressing who they are to the fullest, you know, um, but for others who may feel like, well, hey, you know, I don't want to be called out my name, you know, and, and another thing that you talked on to, and I think is very important is the narrative. And so that's what I'm excited about this panel today is because we're all writing the narrative, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the projects that I worked on, I talked about, especially in the workspace for black women, um, how the narrative is already written for us. And we spend a lot of time going against the narrative, but what we should do is do what we're doing today is creating the narrative and controlling right. the narrative. So thank you, Michelle and everybody for, for having the opportunity today. And I'm very excited to be here. Thank you. Thank you for being for being with us as our self-help writer. Uh, we wanted to have people in different genres, and this is great because a lot of us are writing self-help books. Something I learned with the Black Writers Workspace, and for those of you who are not on the workspace, we've got thirteen over 13,000 people on the Facebook page, so please join our private group. One of the things that I've learned over the years is how we are, 
And I see this mostly a lot with our Black writers writing through the pain. We're using these books therapeutically to deal mm -hmm. with things that are going on in our world, yes. our lives. Um, it is something that is, uh, yes, infused with the Black experience, but it's just our way of dealing with a lot of the pain and aggression and um, you know, oppression that we are having to deal with, whether it's in our mm -hmm. home life, at work, uh, so on and so forth. So I, there are a lot of books out there, even books that aren't necessarily you would think about pain, like children's books. A lot of people are just using the form, using the skill of writing to deal with what is going on within yes. them. And so that's another way that this whole idea of con controlling the narrative is so dynamic because if you if you water down what I'm going through by telling me no one wants to read it or not giving me a deal behind it or not buying it, then what are you saying about me and my existence? And so we want to make sure that everyone knows that whether you're no matter what you're writing and what you're writing for, what's you know what's really pushing you to write that it's important. That is important. The black experience is important. What you're writing is important, but there also needs to be a level of authenticity in what you do. There has to be a level of understanding that there are skills to how to write. You know, you just don't write to write. You still need to go through the proper channels, get it edited, make sure it's good so people can actually read it. Um, but also being able to understand why it's important that we continue to talk and and put the black experience out there on the center stage because the question is and i want to say this to everyone out there what happens when there are no more avenues for us to express ourselves authentically what happens that's going to be another issue that we're going to be facing as all these different things are taking place books being banned african-american studies being banned music is different it's not as empowering as it can be not all of it some of it is but we have some of the most um our music is the most vulgar <laughs> of all music y'all know that think about it rap music is probably one of the most but i'm not against rap music i grew up in come on y'all i grew up in the 80s in the in the 70s i love rap music but i'm not happy with the direction that i that is going in not that it's all negative because i love it i love hip-hop the whole thing but i want us to really talk about where is it where do we really see this going and is this really telling the type of story that's going to empower the community so antoine we've got so many comments coming in y'all i'm i'm like can we we can't even get through introductions but antoine let's in, introduce yourself and then i'm going to try to get through some of these questions at least to let people know we're here, we're, we're seeing what they're posting. And also for everyone on screen, if you can get to your Facebook page, drop your link to your book in on the Facebook page so that people can know how to get in contact with you. Antoine, introduce yourself. Uh, okay, um, I'm Antoine Floyd Senior. Um, I wanna say thank you for having me on here and introducing me to these authors and getting to hear their stories about how they, why they do what they do. Um, I am a author of crime fiction novels, which essentially is like uh, mystery detective novels. When I started, when I first began writing in 2009, I used to write uh, quote unquote urban fiction books. You know what people would call them like hood books or street fiction or whatever. But I felt like that market was so oversaturated that I switched genres. And I was I was late to the game, but I was introduced to uh, Walter Mosley as an author. So I started reading his books, and now he's one of my favorite authors. So 
when I began my series, um, the Black Love Detective series, I'm on book five now. I wanted to introduce a character. His name is Black Love. And the reason why I wrote this character is because, and this is my own personal belief, I feel like in the media, um, there is attack, there is an attack on black masculinity. So I wanted to show um, in my character through my books that black masculinity doesn't look like just one thing. It looks like a multitude of things. So I introduced different characters in my books in that way. And no matter who that character is, I try to show different sides of that person because I grew up around all kind of men. Some were street, some professional, some family, and some were all of the above. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I, um, that's why I wrote that that uh, those storylines. And to answer your question about the music part, I had this conversation all the time with friends and family and my adult sons. And I used to be really hard on the younger generation as far as music and especially hip hop. I was more along the lines like that's trash. That's not music. What you know, it's not good. But then I had to kind of put myself in check because I remembered when I was younger and I used to listen to Twister and Bone and all of those people. And I understood everything they were saying. But my mother was like, that's not music. You don't even understand what they're saying. I said, oh, my God, I turned it to her. <laughs> and I realized they don't make that music for me. It's for them. I had my turn. So to kind of get to the part about as far as what you guys were talking about before, as far as the music being vulgar and all of that stuff, I look at it like this. And just my personal opinion, people... Uh, young people, that's what they're doing right now as far as their life. This A lot of them, their first time um, going out to nightclubs, going out partying, um, being intimate. So that's the stuff that they're talking about. And if they have longevity in their career, then the music is going to change. Because that's what happened with a lot of people that I grew up on. Mm -hmm. Like Snoop Dogg and them not rapping about the same stuff they was rapping about 20 yeah. years ago. Mm -hmm. So I just look at it like that's young people doing young people stuff and then other people going to do their thing if they get older. I like that. That's what, thank you. Thank yeah. you for that. Thank yes. you. So let's 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 quickly, quickly. Uh, gosh, y'all, I don't even know where to start with all these questions. Uh, <laughs> uh, someone just asked a good question. I'm going to bring it up in a second. But I like what you said about this is their music. They are controlling their narrative. They are putting the music out. This is when I say that they, the, the younger generation. Is this music empowering the community or should we even care if it is, as long as it is representative of who they are? Because I'm with you. I grew up, I remember when Salt and Pepper was talking about pushing it. My mama was, you, you better not listen to that in here. Pushing what? What you pushing? That was like... <laughs> My mother thought Prince, she said he was a snake. I don't even know what that came from. She just had all these issues about the music. The music was just horrible to her. Um, she grew up in a different time. And true enough, we grew up with that music and, and it was it had levels of empowerment in it. But anybody want to take the idea of, you know, what we're seeing that worries me in the music is this, 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 this rape culture, this 
crime culture, this gun culture that's being, and drug use that's being placed in this music. And it's not just rap. I'm not just down on rap, okay? I, I hear it in the R&B, popping pills. When we know our kids are dying of these things every mm -hmm. single day. Is this going to be something that we look back on in 20 years and say, yes, it empowered me, like, you know, Unity from Latifah empowered me, like uh, Fight the Power empowered me from PE. I mean, are we going to look back in 20 years and say, okay, that music about pill popping, gun violence, you know, um, rape, all these different things, that empowered the Black community. Do you think that's going to happen? Anybody? You know, Michelle, I look at it from a different point of view, maybe that if we could economically get behind the unity and the things that are also empowering, that that would kind of counteract, because I do think that that's the driving force. Like if I get on here and go to the extreme from the vulgarity or whatever, I'm going to benefit from that monetarily. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Opposed to, you know, I may or may not sell books on how to end the life plan. You know what I mean? Antoine might not, the horror, because we get behind that economically. And I think that's what right now is the driving force. And I do agree with you in terms of, hey, is this really what we want to leave as the legacy? Is this what, but I also struggle with, I like Antoine's point of view too, about the creativity of the youth. And it's their time because during our time, it was just as whatever. I'm just wondering, could you say it a different way? Like you said, like salt and pepper, like we got it. We get what they're pushing, but they didn't really say it. So I, I wonder if we could bring that back a little bit, but also economically get behind the the other dynamic, the positive, the self-help, the horror, the, the scientific. Can we get behind that too with as much mm -hmm. economic power? Yeah, if I could just just build on what Dr. Dr. Katz said is, you know, follow the money, right? So this uh, there is an incentive to uh, to glorify materialism. There is an incentive to glorify sex because that is the culture that we are living in. That's what that's what we have been given. And I like what what Antoine said is though it's we shouldn't vilify the music as much as vilify where it's coming from. These are people are expressing a certain reality. So if if I'm a gangbanger, I'm going to sing about gangbanging, right? Don't get mad about the gangbang song, but what's going on with that person's life and and how what kind, you know, how can we help them and 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 start more more at the root. And so if if you give people clear alternatives, you know, one that's going to be destructive and one that's going to be more healthy, um, you know, oftentimes they will pick that, but the uh what we're talking about here is those voices need to be nurtured and 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 rewarded just as much as the as the others. And I don't think we're at that parity yet. So if money is driving the narrative or what's popular and what's not popular, and we know this is the case in everything. This is not just the case in music. This is the case in books. This is the case in film. If money is the driver, and I dropped Reginald's comment here, says Antoine makes a great point but it's not their narrative level, uh, label, I'm sorry, executives place money in those negative narratives while the rapper spin message can't get major rotation. Yes, there is a lot of money behind glorifying these things. Now there are also a lot of uh, conspiracy-like ideas out there about 
record labels and the powers that be wanting rap music to go in this direction to fill prisons uh, because prisons are privately owned and the more bodies you get in, the more money is made. And, if, you know, we know prisons are filled with black people. So I won't sit and say I believe that or not. I'm not sure. Wasn't there. But I can say this. If you're telling an authentic story, I support all that. If it's if you come from the hood and you have experienced some some horrible things that we know people have and they rapping about it, tell your story. I mean, tell it, be raw, say it the way you felt it. But if it's just about trying to get your record in rotation and you are hurting the culture or the community, I have a problem with that. Anybody want to chime in? I'd like to chime in. Uh, I took a couple of notes about um, what everyone is saying, and, and I, I really enjoyed just everyone's input. So first, with regards to music, when you go back in time, like in the 60s, even further back, our culture, we are the ones that brought music to this country. And not only that, we were given opportunities to make music, but as you said, it was through the companies that were not owned by us, we were singing songs that even on the label, um, for example, there's some Christmas songs that were played during the holidays. I knew it was, let's say, uh, Natalie Cole, not, not Natalie Cole, someone further back, but the, on the label, on the album cover, it was a white person. And that wasn't the person who was singing. And so when I asked my mom about this, she was saying that a lot of the music back then, Elvis Presley, his sound, that was not his sound. He stole that from a black man who's, who sung like that. And so when you talk about where we are musically, the kids now are able to control their music. They're able to distribute. They're able to, you know, get uh, achieve certain roles within that industry, and they're learning that industry. And so, we had songs in our day. I remember that song, "White Lines." That was about cocaine, but it was a good song in the club. We loved it. Not to say that we were doing those drugs, but it was a fun song, just like some of the other ones. And so as we get older, we become our parents in a way like, oh, what are they singing about? Um, switch over to Ice Cube, um, who else? DJ Quick, Sugar Free, all of those people when they're rapping those hardcore rappers, and I'm in California, I'm on the West Coast, so I grew up with all of those hardcore rappers, and I loved it. I don't, I love the beat, I will say. You know, it was the, the beat of the music. Some of what they were saying, but some of that, those stories are real stories in the neighborhood. So it's, it, we have to look at it as a form of communication. That's what's going on. 
we don't like it, but they're telling their story. And, and so we have to recognize maybe there's a different way to say the story, you know, not so graphic or, or explicit or promoting violence, but that is what's in the culture. That's what they see. That's what they're living. And we don't want to associate with that, but we need to address that. And so I think that that's, that's a way to get the voice out there to say, hey, this is what's happening over here on the streets that you don't want to go down. Mm -hmm. This is what it is. You don't like it, but here it is. And we need to make money so that we can try to do better. So I look at it in that respect, not, you know, there's bad, good and bad music in all genres, I'm sure. Um, but with us, we are building, we are building. And now we're at a place where we have control. We can control our music and, and producing and, and writing, as you said, writing. Um, switching over to writing about uh, pain. And I get a lot of interviews about people writing about the pain that they've gone through. Right. We're, we're going to have to move on to a couple of other questions here. Um, I'm okay. sorry about that. We've got sorry. a lot of them coming I'm in. Oh, no, you're fine. <laughs> we, we've got a lot of questions. It was just so here. much. I was like, oh, my goodness. You know, it's just a lot. I was just writing little notes about every because it was just stirring up, you know, so much for me. Well, we have a comment here that says, I think it's important to remember that many artists may not be out to create for the culture, but to simply make art for art's sake or to make money. Um, yes. It's what's being given larger platforms that becomes what defines the genre, unfortunately. I, I think it's important that we know that money is going to play a big role in this. Everybody is not rapping about hood life because they're really trying to tell a story. Every you know, every writer ain't writing what they're writing because they're trying to tell a good story. They know that there is a point where it's going to um, it's going to exploit a world that people still see is very unique to them, and they can make money off of it. And yes. so, I, I just think that it's important that we become good citizens of the of of this of this craft. Of, of writing yes. by thinking about who's going to hear this and how they're going to respond to it. You're right. There's always music. I remember when F the police came out, <laughs> you know, and it was like, whoa, how can you say that? You know, mm -hmm. that's horrible. Da da da. And now Ice Cube been on, um, I mean, Ice T been on what? Uh, uh, law and order for 30 years as a police officer. I just <laughs> I know, you know, <laughs> it really is. The world is different, I get it, but we do, as writers, we should be considerate of what is happening because I do know the drug phenom of the 90s took hold, I do know those things were there. Gangs, you know, uh, gun violence has been around for a long time, but we are at a point in history where things are getting so bad. So the question I have is, where's the positive rap? And if we can fund it and control it, why aren't we funding it and controlling it? Can anybody? Yes. I'm glad that you said that because that's exactly where I was going with this. <laughs> my, my next response, it, it relates to everything everybody just said. Okay, so I've heard several people and I've been reading some of the comments. People have been saying money is a factor. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
money is a factor and you have to ask yourself if you were in their shoes if you're in the projects and you have nothing and they're telling you that i can make all of that go away and put your mama in the house and your mama never have to work again you just gotta cuss Mm-hmm. I don't know anybody out there that's not going to cuss to get their mama out of the projects. <laughs> so let that be said. So let the people get the money. The second thing I have to say about that is, um, yes, there is other music out there that's not talking about that stuff. But I have challenges for people. One of the challenges is for the artists. If you want more people to listen to your stuff, make it more like the 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 make it more appealing that's all i'm trying to say make it more appealing to the masses but still talk about what you want to talk about it can be done everybody here said we're very creative so we can do it the second challenge is everybody who want to hear that type of music they say that the 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 mainstream is not putting it out there you can stop with that argument because the mainstream will never put it out there is out there, but if you want to hear it, you're going to have to do your due diligence and go and look for it. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. out there. They have yeah. this platform, so you got to get out there and look for it for yourself. It's not going to be in the mainstream. Yeah. I wrote an article the other day from medium.com, talked about why are black book fairs important. I hosted the first Black Writers Workspace book fair here in New Orleans a couple of weeks ago. And I put it out, and one of the things I said in this this piece about finding books by black writers for those who want to, is that there has to be a level of intentionality. And that's exactly what Antoine is saying. It's like, you want to find positive music. It's out there. You got to look for it. And if we can find it as a group, as a community, let's support it. Because if we're asking and calling the radio stations for it, they'll play it. If we keep if, if thousands of us are saying, no, no, forget that crap that you plan as, you know, degrading women and everything, Play this song. We have to learn to stand together as a community, too, and back what's good, because if it's about money, then where the the demand is, is where the money is going to flow. So if we we can support these positive rappers, I'm I'm with you on this, Antoine. I grew up in the projects. I get it. If someone would have said, hey, you know, I'm going to get your mom out these projects and I'm going to give you X number of dollars. I get it. You're right. You know, it's that motivation to to eliminate poverty is so powerful. But you also have to know that a lot of, I believe this, a lot of these creators, because we're all creators, at some point in life, whether you're 30, 40, 50 years old, been in the game for 10 years, 20 years or whatever, at some point you got to look back at your body of work and say to yourself, is this representing you? These rappers are going to, these people who are saying these things at some point, just like us, our books are going to outlive us. Mm -hmm. 50 years, you know, for me, I'll probably be gone 50 years from now, but somebody be reading my book. What is that body of work I want to put out there? So I just hope that all this talent that's out there, we're not losing it to this, 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 this crabs in a bucket, get the money. And we're not, and we're not thinking about the longevity of how it's going to impact the community and what it's going to look like for us. Because something else that we're not talking about, I have a 16 year old son and I, I, I'm a big social media person. I track everything on social media. About every month, a rapper is killed. Think about that. If anybody follow these young rappers, shot to death in their hometown, drug overdose, suicide. Now, that's something I didn't see growing up. That's something our rapper's still around, LL on TV, still look like he's 22. Mm -hmm. All right. 
that's something I did not see growing up. So there is a connection between there can there could be a connection between what is being said and how people are living. So if you're just trying to get paid, okay, you want to make your money, tell your story. But there is something going on in this culture that our rappers are being murdered, killed, suicide, drug overdose. There is a problem there. So we're going to move on from music because I know we can talk about this all day <laughs> long. Thank you, Antoine. That was excellent. I'm trying to drop some of this information up on the screen, y'all. We got so many questions coming in and comments and we'll get to it. So let's move to film. Film. Wow. Um, I love movies. Watch them all day, every day. There are more Black people in movies that I see now on these small screen movies like Hulu, you know, mm -hmm. Netflix originals. We're seeing more. We're seeing some different faces on the big screen, too. But are we controlling the narrative? Are you liking what stories out there about the Black experience? But yeah, let's start with this. What's your favorite black movie and why? Ava. Uh wow. I mean I'm <laughs> probably Candyman, but it's just <laughs> oh, not probably my favorite. I feel like it just covers a lot of bases for me. So um I do really like that one. I I I don't know. I guess like when it comes to film, it's it it enters like a new space because you're also getting a visual. Because like with audio, you can make up your own reality about what this person looks like or what they're describing. But with film, it's something that people can actually watch and absorb. So I do think that that's a place that actually is more sensitive to like inaccurate portraits and um, like typecasting or things like that. Because it just it's when you're looking at someone, you're not really deciding how you're treating them. It's already been programmed in a way. So when people are seeing the same kind of characters and getting these awards, like for example, Denzel Washington has been in how many films, but they give it to him for training day. Like it's just how many other times did he absolutely knock it out of the park, but we give it to him for that. You know, it's like you're, that that's a way that you're able to continue to peddle that falseness and somehow wrap it up in accolades. It's really weird. So I just, yeah, but I think Candyman is my favorite because it actually covers what we're going through repeatedly. Like the movie is about pretending like you don't know what's over here. It's about pretending that you don't know what the history is or the past of something. And it's also about that exploitation because even when you were talking about the music stuff, like that's what that is. I'm exploiting the fact that someone is impoverished. I know they'll do whatever I want them to do. And then I get to act like they're doing something terrible afterwards. It's like that you're just exploiting your, yeah, being exploitative with people's feelings, their experiences, their lived realities, you know, twisting things all the time. And yeah, I think Candyman is just really good for that because it also ties it to academia. Like the only reason that the, that character cared about Cabrini Green, the project, is because she was trying to, you know, it's like a poverty pimp. Like you're just trying mm -hmm. to get what you want out of someone else's tragedy. And that didn't go well. So I do like that message about the film. So that's great. Oh, you know what? I'm a, and we're going to get used to um, Stevie, you're coming up next. You just broke down everything for me because that is exactly what I felt. First of all, I love Candyman. And you're right. I mean, it is very explored. I never made the connection. You have like said and really watched this movie. The connection, the exploitation <laughs> that the white 
what she was a professor or something she's doing a story yeah, about she's doing her dissertation mm -hmm. basically like yeah about mm -hmm. urban legend and cabrini green and like even there's like a scene in the very beginning where she's trying to interview somebody in the the, they're like um it's a black woman and her and her friend they're both black they basically are janitors at this school mm -hmm. never spoken to them before but as soon as the woman's like oh she lived over there she's like oh can i talk to her and it's like you've never spoken to this person before like you're probably not going to do anything with the information other than write it into your report it just mm -hmm. this idea of just like siphoning off of our pain so you can look like you potentially care about something is yeah. absolutely annoying so, and that, and that yeah. does tie very well into what you know, Antoine, what we're talking about with the money and the poverty and yes, that is exactly a lot of what I see. There is a great deal of exploitation there. But once again, I'm not putting the onus just on the industry, film or music. I'm putting the onus on the, the creator. You have to have a level. It was something that uh, Lizzo said the other day when she the other week when she won a Grammy. She said, I decided a long time ago that I was going to make positive music. That was a decision she made. That was intentionality. And she said, I have been ridiculed for it, put down for it, but I, I want to make positive music. And that that is something that we have to think about as we do and as we look at these different genres, different areas, where books, films, or whatever, is that, yes, the industry is going to exploit us because they, they figured out they can make money off of it. Well, who are we as creators to say we want, do we want to put this kind of thing out? Stephen, talk, talk to us about your what you learned. Well, your favorite film, Black film, why is your favorite Black film? And um, what do you see as some of the challenges in this industry when it comes to how they tell the Black story? Yeah, and yeah, thank you. I wanted to, because you cut off the music part and there was someone I wanted to mention, but he actually what? is in film too. So I'm going to kind of get a two for one. I just want to bring up as a great example that's a stark contrast to what we're talking about now is the work of Saul Williams. Um, I've, I've always uh, followed Saul, uh, Saul ever since, uh, you know, Slam, and always inspired me as a poet. And, you know, I, I do poetry and spoken word that was greatly inspired by him. He got into music, into doing his own form of spoken word slash hip hop. And uh, recently he just came out with a movie called Neptune's Frost, which is an amazing film. I don't know if you, anyone on the panel has seen this one, but um, it's a, a, a very ethereal story about Africa, about people working in these lithium mines, you know, making chips for our cell phones. That's a very exploitative uh, culture. And, but he just brings this beauty of, again, like we were talking about at the very start of this, how the, the imagination and the creativity and the intelligence that drives all of our technologies today did start did start in Africa. The drum, the original technology. You know, even Nikola Tesla said, "You want to understand reality? It's about sound and frequency, mm -hmm. right?" So the so percussion, drums were the original technology, and so Saul William really gets into this. But as an artist, he's flourished, um, and he doesn't follow you know the the typical you know hip hop milieu. So I really love that film because I said earlier, the writer's job is to challenge the culture, right? You know, it's we're on a we're talking about black culture here, but the but the true uh, impresarios are pushing that forward, right? Black is the presence of all cultures. Black is the presence of all color, right? So another another person that does that really well is uh, I, I like the work of Jordan Peele, um, you know, Nope. 
um, you know, is a great is a great film, and he he's actually tie, tying into the zeitgeist zeitgeist of the UFO phenomenon, which is something that I know you don't have on the agenda here, but is a stark reality that we're we're all facing, and you know, so as a black artist, he is bringing that into our awareness, and you know, I think that you know that's what I'm trying to do too. I think there's a lot of knowledge that we've lost that now we need to we need to face it because the t this the time is now because of the times that we're in it, things could go either way it's a little touch and go so yeah i just wanted to bring those up as as, as some really great examples great great love that love that anybody else want to talk about their favorite film and and why it's their it's favorite i got a few i'm not gonna take a lot of time i love malcolm x spike lee Denzel yeah. Washington, I just think it was well done at the time, uh, told his story. I love Malcolm X's story in terms of he stood up for what he believed in and he paid the ultimate sacrifice. Um, he, he just speaks to me. Uh, I like the help, not necessarily, but I just like how, once again, I'm not in a position of power, but I make you a mud pie and then who's in power now? And everybody knows about it. So I really love that storyline and that story. Um, and then I'm feeling the woman king because I need to see people who look like me. Mm -hmm. I need to know where I come from. I need to know why you perceive me as aggressive. Um, but really, I take it and I feel like I'm strong. I feel like I am who I am. And I know why, because of where I come from. So you know, I, it's so funny. I'm liking okay. what I see. Mm -hmm. A shout out mm -hmm. to Tubi because I see a lot of independent films. Oh, go ahead. Mm -hmm. No, I see no, no, a lot no, of I'm independent sorry. films on Tubi. So, uh, but yeah. I, but I like what I'm seeing in terms of us. <laughs> you know, I, I'm going to say a couple of things about film, um, and then we're going to get to our next um, uh, person who wanted to speak up about it. Is that first off, um, from my understanding, in the 95 years of the Oscars, there has never been a black director to win an Oscar. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when we talk about film, you know, I, I struggle with these period pieces now at this age because I've seen so many of them. I do understand the, the benefit in the, in the, um, the benefit of them, but I struggle with them because I do, I have a hard time sometimes digesting what I'm seeing. It's so overwhelming for me emotionally sometimes, you know, I, 12 years of slave. I remember walking out the movie theater and just feeling like, yeah, my God, you know, how did this happen? But also wanting to say, now I need a, a film out there that's going to balance the joy, the Black joy that we have. Everything, if, if you listen to what we're talked about, too much of what we're saying from music to film, and we're going to talk about books, is about a negative. It's about a negative, no matter what. I love Michael Max's first book I ever read at 13 years old. But a great man murdered by someone that looked like him. It's too much of a negative. Let's talk about where this film industry needs to go in order for it to really empower us. I get the history that we're seeing on TV. I love The Woman King. That was one of my favorite movies. And what I what I what I worried about with it is after I saw The Woman King, there were so many African Americans mad about the movie because they said it did not talk about the fact that this tribe sold black people into slavery. It did. If we're gonna deal with history, we have to deal with the good and the bad of it. We can't just deal with one side of it. So 
those are some of the things that challenge me. Now, what I see on the small screen is more diversity than I've ever seen. And I do say that that happened after the unfortunate murder of George Floyd. There was more diversity because more companies are going, we need to be more inclusive. We need to look like we're doing X. So I'm seeing more diversity on the small screen. I love it because I like to see people that look like me. And I don't mean just black. I mean, full figure women falling in love. Right. I'm seeing things I've never seen before. I watched a movie the other week that had an older white woman who was having an affair with an, a black escort. Like y'all, I was like, whoa. <laughs> I'd never seen that before. So let's talk a little bit more about film. Anybody else want to add? I'll try. Oh, go ahead, Antoine. Okay, I'm going to be real quick. Um, okay, so I was thinking while everybody was talking. And I was trying to figure out what my favorite movie is. And it keep coming back to the same three, no matter how many movies I watch. One is my favorite, favorite movie is Hoodlum with Lawrence Fishburne about Bumpy Johnson. Yeah, That was one of my favorite movies because he wins in the end. He outsmarts mm-hmm. all the white folk. I went to see that movie five times when I was younger at the movie theater. So that's one. Um, the second one is... Carmen Jones. My auntie put me on to that when I was a little boy. And I don't care if I turn the TV on, I don't care where it's at, I'm going to sit down and watch it. I love that movie. It's a great, tragic love story. And the third one is Hell Up in Harlem with um, Fred Williamson from the Black Exploitation Era. Now, I love those movies. I don't, I never understood, what well, I understand now as an adult, but I never understood when I was younger why they put so many of these movies in a negative light. Mm-hmm. They won at the end of every movie. Most of the time, they were going against drug dealers, trying to shut down the drug dealers in their neighborhoods. I never got that. But that's one of my favorite movies, Hell Up in Harlem with Fred Williamson. And the reason why is because when I got older, I saw him in an interview and he said in his contract, he had to have three things when he was doing a movie. One was he could never lose a fight. Two, he had to get the girl in the end. Mm-hmm. And three, he had to win in the end. Mm-hmm. So I make sure I put those three things in my books. Every time I write books, my, my main black character had to have those three main things. And I didn't realize how important that was. But after he said that, I thought about all the movies I saw with the with the, the lead character as the white person. And they get those three things at the end of all of their movies. So and who gets first? That, those are my three favorite movies and why. Intentionality. You just said it. Once again, we're back to the creator taking, making the decision to do or to say or to put out into the world something that is positive. That's an intention. Your, your guy who you were talking about, the artist saying, I'm not going to do this film unless I do this, 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 and this. That's intentionality. What if all of our Black actors and actresses go into the filmmaking process in that way? I'm not going to be your slave. I'm not going to be your maid. I'm not going to end the film. I'm not going to be the first one to die like in the horror movies. I want to see us win. Yes. And what if we wrote books that way? And what if we had music that way? All right, I mean, I mean, I'm pie in the sky right now. I get it. Everything ain't positive, but it would be great to see that. It would be great to have that level of intentionality. Like Lizzo said, I want to make positive music if we want to see that. I mean, there are a lot of positive people. J. Cole, I love these. I mean, I love music. I love film. 
But you do have to, as a writer, as a creator, I write books as well. And you have to have a level of intentionality to infuse a narrative that is something you can stand on, that it doesn't always have to be negative because there's enough negativity out there. Anybody else want to talk about film? And then we're going to move very uh, quickly to something else. Mm -hmm. I'll make a quick mention about film. As Antoine said, I too, I love gangster movies and all of that. Um, not so much for what they're doing, but it shows the organization the business mind of a kingpin or those, if they, if, if it was a different product, man, it just shows the brilliance of, uh, you know, the movie like Hoodlum and Bumpy, jo Bumpy Johnson. That is a dynamic character that is in every neighborhood. Any type of movie that is empowering you know, when you take the negative out of it and look at what the structure, um, ghost, I love that because it showed black men in power doing things, looking good. You know, of course it was a dark side, but it's a story, but it's showing us not as a, a helper or a worker. Mm -hmm. I mean, let's look at commercials, every cleaning commercial, you know, we're not all heavy black women mopping the floor. Now that is one of my peeves. Not, <laughs> you know, I love the lady doing it, but we don't all look like that. I mean, the look at chicken, right? Fried chicken. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're not all eating fried chicken. You know, we love it, but that that's not just all our mo. We're so much. There's so much more diversity with us. Uh, mm -hmm. Waiting to exhale, a uh, girl's trip. Mm -hmm. Those are fun type of movies of situations that take us, that show us that we have all types of things going on, except for what the mainstream wants to uh, show mm -hmm. for us. And it's, and like you said, it's up to us to expand, to exploit all the things that we do, you know, from the top, all the levels, so that we can show the young people, like, look, you can be this, you can be the president of the United States, mm -hmm. the vice president. So all of that, um, I, I, I love this conversation. And, and so I'll turn it over to you. We've got some uh, some questions out here. Uh, I'm going to try to get through a few. And then I want to talk about social media because we cannot talk about mediums or communication tools without talking about social media and what is happening and what is going to be the conversation in 20, 25 years about what we're seeing on social media, how it's impacting the Black community, if it's impact, impacting the Black community, good or bad. It could be a positive. I can give you a million, I can give you five or 10 positive things I see when it comes to the Black community, what we've been able to benefit from social media. But then there's the other side of it, the influencer side. Who are we being influenced by? What does that mean to be influenced? the attraction of likes and how social media is impacting how you get a deal, how you get a book deal, 
how you get a film deal. I want to wrap up film by saying this, and this is something that I, I stand on, I have a hard time understanding, is that we're going to talk about books after um, after we talk social media, and we're going to end the whole session of just talking all about books. But the film industry, in my opinion, does a great job of honoring their independent um, filmmakers. The book industry, in my opinion, does not. If you're self-published, it is a black eye. But when you are an independent filmmaker, you get that cute little crown that show up on the screen. You get to go to Cannes. You get to, you see what I'm saying? They honor it because they they feel like this, 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 this next generation is bringing something of value to the industry. I want everybody to think about how do we get the book industry to start doing that more? So we're not going to answer that question right now. That's going to be in a minute or two. We're going to try to get through a few questions and we're going to talk about social media. Everybody out there dropping questions. I'm going to try to get to some of them. Uh, we won't have all the answers because some of these questions are, are pretty lengthy. It would take a whole two hours to answer. Uh, so <laughs> uh, we're going to see if we can get a few of them up on the screen. Let's see. Inspiration of writer comes from multiple sources, issues, solutions. How to get to solutions is multiple genres. What makes you want to hashtag the Black experience before writing anything? Anybody want to take that? Well, you know, I'll start off. Earlier, I talked about how my, and I like the word intentional. I love that. Um, that was my intent to really, my audience is people who look like me, people of color, focusing on those cultural issues. So that that's where I start from. Um, but I also make a commitment too to support others. So just like today, I'll go and I'll get, I'll, I'll buy, I'll buy your book. I'll support you economically because I do think that it just starts there. Mm -hmm. um, but I just didn't see anything that uh, was out there to help me with my everyday life struggle, and so I wanted to start contributing. And I found that telling my story, sharing my experience, giving my advice uh, has helped others and putting it down in writing. Um, and that's where I started from. Okay. I'd like well, this, to comment okay. on, on that. Uh, I agree with that, Dr. Kat. And, and so basically interviewing other authors, I interview a lot of women authors and black women authors and they talk about their pain. And when you look at that and you hear their stories, as I tell them, it's a healing for them and the person reading it because it's a cleansing. And so writing your story, I've written a story called Daddy Issues, my book, Daddy Issues, because it was a pain dealing with my father. And so doing that, it I didn't know other women had daddy issues either. And so the feedback that you get from that, the communication, it, it's a cleansing for on both sides. And so as much as we don't want to lean to that, we're, we're uh, actually helping each other through therapy with these because we don't go see therapists. We don't talk about our pain to anybody. So this is a way for us to get that out and then to be free of those strongholds. 
This question here says, being a multi-talented writer with an interest in multiple genres, how do you choose what is the best one to pursue? Um, anybody want to take that one? Yeah, I, I would. I'll take that mm -hmm. one. Um, I, I say go with your passion. You know, go with you know where where your wonder is, and and really follow that. Like for me, I was always I always read sci-fi and stuff coming up and fantasy, so it was natural for me to want to express myself in that way. So I think everybody probably has a natural leaning towards one, and sometimes the subject matter will dictate that as well. Great. I'm going to put one more up and then we're going to talk a little bit about social media. Let's see what we've got. Uh, like I said, some of these questions will require a whole two hours. We don't have it, y'all. <laughs> Sorry. Um, okay. Well, I think we're good with questions. There are some more comments and we'll put those up as well if i missed anything um earlier audience put it back out there and i'll try to get to it definitely but for now we want to move to social media and talk a little bit about that and then we're going to talk about book writing book writing and we're going to just you know we're only going to talk about social media shortly and what i want to say is what is this new medium doing for us as writers and what is it doing to us positively negatively as writers anybody want to take that I think yeah, I'll, I'll take that. I think as uh, social media is a marketing tool. And if we look at it in that respect, we can exploit it to our advantage. And so being influenced, it, it just depends on how you channel what you're doing. For example, the Black Writers Workspace. That is that you're influencing 12,000 people to tell their story, to look at other authors and look at the work. And so it's definitely a positive, you know, for, for people like yourself and others that are creating a, a, a capsule for people to go to to get fed. Okay, so, um, of, of, yeah, there's negative in, in everything. And so social media allows us to make those right choices. You know, joining this group was a great choice for me because I had no idea that there were 12,000 or more, you know, Black people that are writing and, and, and doing all these things. And I get to see it. So I appreciate that. I think, you know, when I started the Black Writers Workspace, I was thinking I was going to tap into the 15 or so people I knew that like books and I mean, not like books, but was writing books. And it has turned into over 13,000 people. And we've had a bunch of things to spin out because of it. What I struggle with, though, is in the, you know, the use of social media, I've been able to do a couple of things people may not even know about. Like I go out and survey other book clubs. I surveyed a couple of about two years ago, um, three book clubs that had all mostly white readers in it online, and it had 125,000 people. And I asked the question, how many books written by black authors that are not best-selling authors have you read in the last 12 months? I asked that question at nine o'clock on a Friday night 
By 12 o'clock, I had 500 answers and I was called racist in probably about a third of those. Wow. So the, the, the use of social media, I say this, the use of social media is amazing because we are now all exposing ourselves to each other. Yes. And we are now having this conversation with what we post, what we say, what we don't say. And we can connect with communities that we never had access to. Yes. So we are now learning from each other on the Black Writers Workspace, but we are also having an opportunity to put our work out there. And that's why I started directtoauthor.com so that we can post our books out and sell them and not have to worry with just Amazon where we're competing with 30 million books. You're competing with the Holy Bible when you put your book on Amazon. I mean, my book's out there too, but you're talking about competition. Yeah. That's a lot of competition. So as you say, uh, Paulette, it, there's good and bad with social media, definitely. And the problem though now is that for those who want to get the big publishing deals, as we kind of morphing into book writing, is that I'm hearing things like you have to have so many thousand followers to even get considered for a book deal. Mm -hmm. So are you telling me that in 20 years, the books out there are going to be written by TikTokers? and celebrities that's a concern i have because we have to do everything we can to preserve black literature all right go anybody want to talk about that yes i want to jump in because you you touched on a lot of stuff that was hitting points for me okay so one thing i want to get out there before i forget um relating to social media and i've heard this over and over again from different videos i watch and um articles i read and blogs and a lot of you may know this already. Everybody keeps saying the same thing, no matter black, white, man, woman. Don't just rely on social media. Get and build and cultivate an email list. Mm -hmm. Because if this goes away, all of your readers go away. Mm -hmm. Access to your readers, I should say, go away. So build and cultivate an email list. Um, the yeah. second thing I wanted to say was... Um, Ah, I don't forgot already. Oh, I wanted to say that. Um, I don't forgot now. <laughs> I got so excited. About about it. But you just said <laughs> it's so wonderful. I do marketing and social media. I tell my clients, I tell everybody, social media is one tool in the marketing toolbox. It is not the toolbox. Mm -hmm. I see this all the time. I just need to start. About, do you know how hard it is to get followers? I don't think we talk enough about that because we live in a world where everybody's going, this has got two million. This for the regular people like us, yeah. regular folks, you're trying to get 50,000 followers on social media, you're going to spend a lot of money doing that. Yes, you are. It okay, costs. So, Absolutely. Okay, Antoine, go for it. Okay, mm -hmm. I'm sorry. What I, what I wanted to say was when you were talking about the uh, TikTokers writing books, and I don't know, I'm, I'm sure you guys, I don't know if you guys have been keeping on top of this, but I don't think it's going to be the TikTokers writing books. It's going to be the AI chat, uh, whatever that stuff is called, the chat GPT. Yeah, yes, I've been reading yeah. so many articles mm -hmm. on that, and stuff is going like they're doing it already. Like people are making money off of that already, writing books and creating art. And some of this stuff is going to court, and mm -hmm. they're having problems with copyright. Um, the copyright uh, department, as far as being able to copyright what you wrote versus what the the chat cheapy uh, the chat thing, whatever it's called, wrote. 
the uh, the AI. I'll just say the AI. Yeah, it's a chat so, um, GBT, and yes, it's AI. It's artificial intelligence. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what's gonna that's where um, authors are gonna have or creatives are gonna have um, a battle with that software versus the real creators. Yeah. This is something to think about. What will be the state of the literary world in 20 years with all the things that we are faced with? Um, a study shows that was done by New York Times that between 1960 and, and 2018, of the 7,124 books that were published, traditionally published, only 5% of them were published that were written by Black people. 5%. So when you talk about who's getting the deals, we're still not getting the deals. The gatekeepers are not, they don't look like us. They don't understand the, that readers want to read books by us. They still think mainstream readers don't care about the Black experience. Now, I've read many studies that show opposite, that there are many mainstream readers, white readers particularly, who do want to read about the Black experience, but the publishing industry is not open arms to that because it's all about making that money. But what I'd like to build on that a little bit, Michelle, I, cause okay. I, used, to, I used to work in uh, multicultural marketing for a, a large insurance company. You've probably seen them on TV. And I was always amazed at how they would look at different markets. So you would have the African-American market, the Hispanic market, the Asian market, and then the general market, mm -hmm. which is, you know, the general market. And it was funny because I was working in the multicultural markets, but then the commercials and stuff I would do would perform so well that they would say, hey, we're going to run this in the general market, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And it was always this tug of war because I began to understand that that the Black culture was setting the, the tone for the general market. Now, mm -hmm. how does that relate to what we're talking about? Because book publishers have a similar attitude. They see a black author and they're like, okay, you're going to go in our black, black section, black fiction, black this, black that. Mm -hmm. But, it, but we don't, you don't want to be, you want to be accepted for your art to the world, not just pigeonholed. And that's how they're going to set your marketing budget and all of those types mm -hmm. of things. So I think my, my question, I guess, to the group is how do we, how do you transcend from being limited by others by saying, well, you're gonna be in this box in, in, in our in our schema, or is that even an issue? Good question, anybody wanna take it? I, I think or, that we, oh, we need to choose what what we actually want. Either we, we wanna be, okay, we have this black films, black books and all of that, and so either we want to be in the sea with everyone where we'll have to do that much more marketing because everyone's writing books, not just us. You know, every every culture is is writing books. And so we have to decide, you know, where we want to be in that spectrum. Now, if we build our culture where everyone's like, hey, let's go and, and, and check out these African-American authors. They're in this section and that section is booming. Everybody's over there. Then we have the competitive advantage. Mm -hmm. And so it's shifting. You know, it's okay for, for it to be a black section. Let's just build that, exploit it. 
that that's where you that's where the good books are. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I love that. And that's exactly what has happened with the Black Writers Workspace in many ways. It has just become its own. It's like we're we're supporting each other. We're lifting each other up. Yes. And when I hosted the Black um, the book fair here in New Orleans, there were so many people that came out. I could not believe I was really I mean, we had 75 writers and 73 of them were black. We only had two non-black yeah. writers. And there were 500 people to come through in a yeah. city who I don't know has ever really did this before. So I think yeah. we have to hold, we have to build each other up and find our own ways of getting the word out there and support each other and what we're trying to do. I, I, I definitely believe that is the key. This is a great conversation, everybody. I am so loving it. And we're going to, you know, we, we've already kind of morphed into this, the conversation about book writing, but let's really, really talk about writing for the culture. And what does that mean? And why, as, as, as Paul had mentioned, why is it a black books, white books, Hispanic, but why, why are we caring about that? A good story is a good story, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, am I wrong? A good story is a yeah. good story. Mm -hmm. I am fine yeah. with it as a writer keeping in the forefront the importance of my culture but mm -hmm. i as a creator i want to be able to create whatever i choose to create i don't want to be in a in a pigeonhole to say i can only write books right. for mm -hmm. black people i write books for readers right. and a, a, i mean think about how many books you've read growing up that was written by someone who was not black all through school shakespeare mm -hmm. oh my goodness to kill a mockingbird i can i can rattle them all <laughs> read them, loved them, don't have any problems with it. Mm -hmm. But with us, we've got book bans, we've got African-American courses being um, eliminated. There are things that are hurting our work because there is still the assumption people don't care about the Black experience, and we know that's not true. So let's talk about this writing for the culture. Do you write for the culture, or do you write for your reader? Um, what does it mean to write for the culture? I mean, what is that all about, guys? Anybody want to start? Uh, Dr. Cat, we haven't heard from you. You know, I thank you. I think that um, I do. I, I'll be out there. I, I write for my audience. I write for Black people, Black women, uh, people of color, other cultures, because I don't see that. I don't hear that experience. Um, but I know what I do know are the facts. And we spend money. <laughs> We're the number one spender. I don't need yeah. a company to tell me that. We spend money on what we want, how we want it, when we want it. Um, but we have been thought that we should spend money on, on brand, on labeling, on mass. And so what I like about is that, and I like about your platform and your writers group, and I found out about the event too late. I couldn't get down there. But so I love what we're doing. And I always remain hopeful that 20 years from now, we'll be independent. We won't mm -hmm. need a company to put us in the black section because we're going to be everywhere. I mean, everybody copies what we do. Right. Like you said, yeah. I agree, Stephen. We already know that. We don't need a company to tell us uh, they're going to be copying us. We just need to do it and support each other. So my audience is my people when it mm -hmm. comes to writing. Um, and that's who I'm focused on. I'm in focus and I am with the positivity and I, I want to do things that are going to enhance our life, our quality of life. Um, what can we do in all kinds mm -hmm. of platforms um, and, and show who we are as a people? 
So I that you know that's just who I am, and I'm unapologetic about it at this point. I'm, I don't. If you want to buy the book, buy it. I don't care who you are, but who I'm speaking to, who I want to make a difference with, who I want to act is my people. Nice. Anybody else? Well, well quickly, this there's a question on the screen. I keep posting this, but I want to make sure we get it. Do I need to have permission to mention official um, organizations or real uh, or say real people's names? Yes, you do. I just want to say that because they they posted a couple of times. So I hope we got to it. I'm sorry for the delay, yes. but yes, you definitely need to do that. If you're unsure, talk to a lawyer or a copyright uh, person. Just make sure you protect yourself because there are people who will come after you for putting their name and their information in a book without their permission. Okay, let's go back. Um, intentionality. I mean, um, writing for the culture. Anybody? Antoine? Yeah, I just want to build on what Dr. Katz said. Uh, when I wrote my, you know, I'm a, this is my first time uh, author, right? So when I wrote, I, I feel like I was writing, I didn't have anyone in mind that I was necessarily writing for. I just wanted to write a great story that it, that expressed what I was trying to do, what I was going through. Um, I remember just a quick story when I was a kid, um, you know, I was a army brat. So I grew up on the West Coast uh, around a lot of white people. And I go home in the summers and uh, stay with my grandma, and I'd be around a lot of black people. And I remember one morning, I always, always had my books and stuff. My grandma said, boy, you need to get out of the house, go to this summer camp and play with these other kids. And I took all my books and stuff, and I went there, and these kids ridiculed the hell out of me. They were like, ah, look at him. They were laughing because I had books. And they called yep. me the little professor and shamed me, and I ran away from there crying. And I came back. My grandma said, boy, you better get back over there. So I had to run back and deal with this, right? But mm -hmm. to me, that that was telling was I was black culture was not embracing learning, right? So now today, one of the main characters in my book is a professor mm -hmm. right, that has forbidden knowledge that is trying to be trying to be quenched. So that cathartic me taking the shame of that of being a nerd of being rejected by both cultures now has exploded into a powerful story and there's other things that were there. But the, but the point I wanted to make is I didn't write it, uh, the book with any one target in mind, mm -hmm. but you know what I'm taking the first two is my people. I'm most excited to bring this book mm -hmm. to the culture. And I didn't really necessarily know that would happen. Maybe I had some resentment because I felt like I wasn't, mm -hmm. I wasn't always accepted, but right now I'm loving uh, sharing this. I'm talking to high school kids before the book was even out. I'm talking to high school groups and doing different things and going to shows. So I find that, um, like you're saying, what a great opportunity to have a foothold for the space that you've created, Michelle. I really appreciate it. And I'm really um, just enjoying and the entree into the culture with this book. And, and it's funny you said that because I, I think I've, I know I had the same experience. Um, my first book I wrote, my main character was a white guy. I didn't think anything of it because I was just writing the book that came to me, the story that came to me. And I started writing the book after I had a bad day at work. So the guy was my boss. And I started writing this story and it turned into a book. And I never, you know, he has, he deals with racism. He deals with a lot of things and he falls in love with, I don't want to give it away, but with an African-American girl. And I wasn't, I, I didn't think about it as a black white thing until I published the book and I had people say to me, why mm -hmm. wasn't he black? Mm -hmm. And then that began to make me think about 
this idea about creativity, you know, um, can I write a story about someone who doesn't look like me? I think I can. I think I can, but I have to be fair. I have to research it. I have to make sure I'm not being stereotypical. I have to make sure, you know, creating stereotypes. I, I, I do want to do that. But my second book was totally opposite. It's about an African-American girl um, growing up in, in, in public housing in Alabama, which is where I'm from. And I tell this story and it did give me a different feel about how that was going to impact my community. I felt that I finally had a way to talk to my people, people that was very important to me. And so I, I completely understand that that feeling of we shouldn't have to decide as creatives, but there is a there is a loyalty and a love for your own when you're doing this type of craft. So anybody else want to talk about it? Yes, yeah. I go ahead, Antoine. <laughs> I'm, gonna be really, I'm gonna be really quick. I'm gonna be really quick. Um, I just want to say yes. I'm very intentional about um, who I write for, and I write for my people. Um, as I stated in my little intro when we first began, I like to see all different spectrums of black people, and yeah. nobody who was who else is going to write about black people but black people. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And as you said before, <laughs> that this is going to be here after we're gone. And every time mm -hmm. I heard you say that, I automatically, my mind automatically went back to a lot of the unknown, well, at least they were unknown to me, unknown authors of the Harlem Renaissance mm -hmm. who didn't get fame until after they were dead. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I write what I write, because I want it to be out there for after I'm gone. And mm -hmm. for some people right now who want to read something different because yes. i know it's going back to television but we didn't speak on this as far as there being variety of things out there but one of the shows that i really loved was riches that was oh, on really amazon too. Yes. i loved it that yes, was very well written and it wasn't gangster mm -hmm. and it was a good show you know what i'm saying so that's why i write for my own people to add some um some diverse stories Mm. Mm, I love that. I got I to gotta look that up. Now you got me. I'm going to be know, fine. Uh, try, I'd like to comment mm -hmm. on that. I love Riches. I actually watched some of the episodes over because it's so inspiring. And it, it's just a, a level that we can see ourselves on and conducting business and all of that. Um, Back to your question, I wrote a book called uh, 2020 America at War, We the People. And I wrote it during the pandemic. I journaled every single day what was happening from when the country shut down. And I wrote it because I knew that there were going to be other books about this and that they were going to leave out things. Mm -hmm. And I wrote, and, and you know, the George Floyd, what happened to him, but the coming together of our people, you know, Black Lives Matter came to the forefront. And it was like we were holding hands because we were all in pain, we're all in our homes, and, and still something happens like that. Exactly. Brianna Taylor. And so <laughs> I thought I needed to document what I saw through my eyes so that when my grandkids, Grace and whoever reads 
and somebody says, hey, do you know about what happened during the pandemic? It's a real life story. It's not fabricated. Mm-hmm. And, and so when you, so mm-hmm. that's for my people. And, 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 and there's oh, absolutely nothing wrong with writing for your people, for, we have to do this if we are going to keep our stories alive. Yes. Uh, that is the beauty of technology, social media, all these new tools and self-publishing has granted us that opportunity to put our work out there. Uh, but I never talk about self-publishing without saying you still have to do it right. Get your work edited, get a nice book cover, care about what you put out into the world because there are over a million books being self-published every year, over a million. Okay. Now we're all competing to get some space and to get people, you know, build a fan base. But a lot of this work has, people are just writing and putting it out and not thinking about this is what's going to be on the bookshelf in 50 years, you know, and now that it's being harder for us to get our books in the schools in certain states, which could, could be a problem that, that crosses the whole United States, we really do need to be considered a con- concern about the quality of work that's out there. So we definitely need to do that as well. So we are at a minute and 36. We have about 25 minutes to go. Ask your questions, everybody. And if every, anybody on the screen want to go back and revisit anything, whether we're talking about film, books, TV, uh, social media, uh, music, this is the time to do it. Uh, those of you who are out there, thank you. You are doing a great job. I can't even keep up with the questions. So uh, let's 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 go back and if anybody want to talk a little bit more, I think music was one of the topics that we really hit hard. Uh, but before we do that, everybody on the screen, please drop your information in the chat box. We've got many people asking for your URLs for your books. Okay. They want to learn more about you. If you can't figure out how to do it, put it in your private chat and I'll try to see if I can get it out there for you. Um, I know it's some a little, little different with StreamYard. So questions that are coming up, um, anything out there with lots of stuff coming up? Let's see. Let's see what we got. Let's see what we got. Somebody said Riches is hot. I got to see. <laughs> me. You know, um, congratulations on the novel. You know, Michelle, I think mm-hmm. you can go back to the to the legal issue because the person posted a lot of times and then someone came okay. back and mentioned about defamation. And I know, and I do like how you're talking about how it's important that it's a process to self-publish. It's not that, or at least my experience, um, like you said, get with an editor. Um, Any of my projects, I've sought professional help from the book cover design to the content review, um, beta readers to give me Mm -hmm. feedback, to let me know, is this the right marketing? Um, and then just seeking out professional help and then copywriting that final product um, with with the national government office um, and then ensuring that if anybody is participating or whatever project you're doing, that you have those agreements, releases and, and things in place. I think that's important because like you were mentioning earlier, you can get yourself in a little bit of hot water if you don't follow the proper steps. Yes. Yes, and, and I think that's something um, um, we all need to be considered, you know, concerning ourselves with is making sure that we do follow all the necessary steps. I love what you said. If for those of you out there who are looking to self-publish, 
there's a lot on the Black Writers Workspace about it, but bottom line, everything that Dr. Cat just said is needed. So don't miss those steps. You know, writing a great manuscript is just one piece of it. Once you get that manuscript written, you get a good book cover um, designed for you. If you're looking at resources, you can use Fiber. If you know Fiber, you, if you know someone who can do graphic artwork, you can do it. If you can do it yourself, fine, but it needs to be appealing because your book has to compete with every book that's out there. Nobody's gonna pull it to the side and, and give it some special love because it's you except for your family and friends. And when they're done supporting you, you're like, whoa, I sold 100 books, that's great. And then you may not sell any more because everybody you know has bought a book. So now it's time to take off the creative hat and put on the entrepreneur hat where you become a business owner and your product is your book. And you have to position it, you have to market it, it has to look good. You have to make sure it's edited. It's so many different pieces to that process. Is it too hard? No. Can you do it? Yes. Can you get help with it? Yes. But I will say this. Don't skip a row. Don't skip a part. Don't skip the editing because I can self-edit. My last book was over 80,000 words. I could not self-edit that. Okay. <laughs> There's just no way because I'm too close to the work. Mm -hmm. I'm overlooking things. So don't assume that. I did a survey the other day asking people what's the average amount they're spending on their books from editing to graphic design work. Uh, the average amount I got was between $500 and $1,000. I think I spent probably $1,500 plus on mine. I'm just being honest. I did. So, you know, if you can find ways to do it, but don't skip the, the stages. Antoine, you were about to say something? I was just going to add on to what you said um, as far as those freelance websites. Um, mm -hmm. When you're just beginning, if you don't have your own people or your own person, um, three that I recommend are Fiverr, Upwork, and 99designs. Mm -hmm. So if you're just beginning or if you're having problems um, with editors, because I've had people come to me before, like they've dealt with editors and they pay them and they take forever to get them they stuff back or just drama or whatever. Those um, freelance websites are pretty good. Yes. Yeah. I'm, and I'll just add that um, there is a process of trial and error when you do that. I've worked with all those sites. And uh, when I was looking for an illustrator, I probably explored things with maybe five to six of them before I actually found someone through a personal referral. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I say, you know, you might spend, you know, $50 to get five pages from someone that you're not going to use, but you need to kind of find someone that you can work with. The other thing I want to add to talk about, too, is you really got to commit to the distribution. Mm -hmm. uh, you're, you're now the chief. If you're self-published, you're the chief evangelist now for your, your work. You have to represent that work. And, you know, it's a little bit like, uh, you know, we didn't talk about this, but on the small screen on Hulu, you know, I love the Wu-Tang you know, story on Hulu. And that. that's the that's the anatomy of hustle right there. Mm -hmm. You know, they're break they're they're storming into radio stations with their albums. Like I'm doing the same thing. I'll go to comic books, just walk right comic book stores and just introduce myself. I here I am, you know, and I'm trying to get speaking engagements and doing this, but you really have to commit to kind of being the evangelist for your work too once you've you've got it ready. And, and I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Sorry, one more thing. Because I keep forgetting to say this. Something that we didn't mention. Um, Black-owned bookstores. Yeah. Um, we need to support those. Yeah, Every yeah. time I go out of town, I always make sure I go to a Black-owned bookstore if they have one. You know, um, three things I support. Black-owned bookstores, 
black owned restaurants and uh black book fairs like the one you had and, and like someone else mentioned i found out too late so i couldn't make it you know but i support those things yeah i'd just like to give a shout out to a semicolon bookstore here in chicago it's a black female owned bookstore the only one in chicago and they had a great literary festival and i actually did my best uh kind of work and engagement was was at a black owned bookstore so shout out semicolon I want to say this too, um, just kind of going back to some of the things that were said, as well as some of the comments coming in, is that yes, we definitely have to support each other. If you're looking uh, for the black for the director authors, one of the things that I'm going to be doing in the next couple of weeks is to add a page where um, our writing um, resource providers, whether you're an editor or consultant, can add a link on the page. This is going to be subscription based but it will give you an opportunity to connect with some we're going to validate those those um companies because there's so many of them out there and there are a lot of scammers and i want to make sure everybody know that especially what we try to do with the black writers workspace if you work with somebody on the workspace and you were scammed you need to let me know immediately because we're going to take them off at, uh, immediately so be careful about that something that i i am very frustrated with is the fact that when I talk to black writers about their their role in getting their books published, it's different than when I speak to write white writers and I'm a, a white authors and I'm not quite sure why. I know why, but I don't want to accept it. Why? We why? Are, that, why? We have a we have a long journey, in my opinion. I will be at a panel, sitting on a panel with four white writers, and I say. Is everybody self-published? Nobody is self-published. Everybody mm -hmm. has a deal. And I say, how did you get the deal? It was like breathing. Mm -hmm. I just sent this over to an agent. Mm -hmm. They loved it. I got a deal, blah, blah, blah. And I'm sitting there and I'm going, I'm not hating on you. I'm not coveting what you got. But why is your journey different than most of the people I meet? You know how often I meet a Black writer that says, I just sent this to an agent and got a deal? It doesn't happen often. Mm -hmm. So I really want us to, I want to, as I do my research, I'm trying to understand what are we missing in this process? Because not that everybody wants a publishing deal. I've, I've only tried once in, you know, in three books. I didn't but, even try. I didn't even try. They never did. They never tried. Exactly. We're not never. even thinking about that route because it doesn't seem like an avenue readily available to us. But why? And I would love to get more major publishing companies to explain it to us because I know what the gatekeepers are doing. I know we're being kept out, but this is something, I mean, I, I see this so often, it begins to make me wonder. I mean, so I just contact an agent and say, hey, I have a book, I'm gonna send it to you. And now I have a book deal. I had a lady tell me, I never sell my books. I don't have to, I've never had to sell my books hmm. for as long as I've had a book out. Why? I don't even know how to do it. My publisher handles all of that. Mm -hmm. It's a real a different story. So anyway, I just wanted to put that out there. Uh, some other questions coming in. Um, any more comments we have about, yes, there are so many different um, opportunities. Somebody posted, I want to, I put it up for a minute. On average, self-published authors only will sell 250 books in a lifetime. Did y'all know that? Wow. All the work. That's why you have to take the creative hat off and put the entrepreneur hat on and you have to become, as Steven said, the CEO of your company and you have to make that product move it. You have to go into those bookstores, support your black bookstores. Um, you have to be your marketing person because 
of that 250, probably 100 are friends and family. And you exactly. know they ain't buying but one. Grandma ain't buying but one book <laughs> One time. Spending all that money. Talking about I got 16 books from Antoine on his shelf. She ain't doing that. So you have to start marketing yourself. And I can tell you, if we can figure out how to come together and learn to market ourselves, we can be a powerhouse. But it's something we're going to have to come together to do. So any, I've got a couple of questions coming in. Anybody want to... Um, Wow, um, I wanted okay. to make a comment about um, the marketing. Uh, I am a business major, and one of the things about Amazon, and, and I'll share this with everyone, is that when you when you advertise on Amazon, you need to expand that advertisement in other countries. Amazon.com is just that's only one Amazon. It's Amazon.ek or, or Europe, Amazon.Brazil, uh, Amazon in every continent. Mm -hmm. So you're thinking that you're promoting on Amazon.com. That's just here. And it's only if the, if the people on the other side of the world are going to .com. So expanding my books are in 13 languages not just here everywhere mm -hmm. amazon doesn't tell you that so doing the research and and getting your your information there's black people everywhere not just you know not just in africa mm -hmm. <laughs> and so, so so expanding that to to ev the world globally so, so uh, the conception of, okay, Amazon, we're in a C, it's a small C. It's not the global C. So just be mindful of that. And, yeah, and, and again, your book is your business. Mm -hmm. Your book is your product. And so you, if you want to be a self-publisher, then you have to market you have to decide the age group of who you're marketing to and 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 not and again not just bookstores boutiques uh vending opportunities uh business you know if they're having something at the local convention center get over there and sell your book i stocked my barber's my barber shop with uh, yes <laughs> increase that that circle of of marketing strategy increase mm -hmm. that don't just limit it to you know literary affairs or that go everywhere everywhere that's where somebody has a shelf and and they're selling things your book can be there someone asked um paulette uh whether you were you were putting it into other languages or is amazon amazon will put your book in other languages. Mm -hmm. Okay. And all you have, but you have to, it's a special, um, you have to sign up as a business with your mm -hmm. book. And then you, uh, you click on all of the countries that you want your book to be distributed to. And oh. mm -hmm. I'll give you another piece of cheese to that. Then you create your Amazon page in those countries. You create accounts. And so then you can market there. 
as well. They don't, they're not going to tell you all of this, but mm -hmm. I took, I took time and I just read through everything and watched videos and just really, you know, how deep does this Amazon rabbit hole go? And it's very deep. We're just talking about just scratching the surface of this thing. So, and we do, and I like Amazon to a certain degree, but it is very competitive mm -hmm. and it is something that it does take a, you know, a, an effort in order to get people to your page. So you have, right. You that have was to market. Yeah. We, when I created the black writers work, I mean, the director author, the goal there was to, so you will have your own dynamic page. And if you want to link it to Amazon, fine. But people who come to director author know these are independent books. So that now, you know, if you are good, you just want to reach more black authors, more independent authors. That's a good source. I want to put this up here. It says, how important is it to you to hire black people to help your projects come to life? Like editors, illustrators, publishers, etc." I will say this. It is important to me. Very important. Very important. Now, this is not hard. This is not always easy to do. I, my last book was a, co a comic book. Finding a black illustrator in the U.S., not that that was a big thing, but I wanted to have someone, if I needed to get them, mm -hmm. touch them, you know, take a picture with them, that was important to me. Um, <coughs> I found a gentleman out of Baltimore, Terrence um, Baldwin, excellent illustrator, but it, it, took, it took a lot of work. I went on a, a lot of sites looking for a Black illustrator in the U.S., and so that was very tough for me, but now I am very intentional about this. And when it comes to an editor, an editor who doesn't understand your voice is something we've talked about many times when it comes to the pen posse. People talk about hiring editors or getting a publishing deal and your editor is someone who doesn't understand your culture. Mm -hmm. They will eliminate characters. Mm -hmm. That's not true. That can't happen. They have their own biases about certain things. Be sure that whoever you work with understands your tone and your voice. It doesn't matter. You want to, I want them to be African-American if possible, but if, if they're not, they still need to understand your tone and your voice. So anybody else want to talk about their process of hiring within the culture or? Um, like, I, I, it is important to me always to work with other artists that are Black. Like, that means a lot to me. But I also try to try to also do it on the other side because I also do writing, like ghostwriting for people. And one of the major parts of that is that I do, like, sliding scale like I make it about you getting somewhere, not you paying me. And of course, at this point, that seems like it's probably not going to make me a lot of money, but that's fine because like the idea is just to eliminate that barrier because that's all any of this is about. It's like there's a barrier between you and this. And if all that is, is writing something on a piece of paper, then I'm going to do that for you, whether that has to do with like childcare or legal stuff or newsletter maybe you need to tell your boss something and you don't know how to put it into words like I try to make myself available for that just even throughout my friends like if some if that is the only barrier to you getting to here then tell me and I will like help you get there mm -hmm. so it's important to actually hire people and work with people and partner with people who are you know in that position but it I also like to have another end of it where I'm actually like helping you do whatever you need to do and not always making it about like something that benefits me fully. Um, and that's hard to do because of the culture we live in, but that's feels like my contribution to life in general. Like maybe if I model it long enough. So I try to like stay the course with that type of attitude. It's, it's really hard to do, but that's 
what I like to focus on in terms of other artists, all artists of color, really, like the person who's helped me do all my like original ads was my friend from college. And he's not white, you know, he's not black either. It's like there's all these other ways that you can mm -hmm. help people show up. And it doesn't always have to be like involving you and your benefit. It can just be like sharing a resource. So I guess mm -hmm. that is another thing I think is essential if you like actually want to be intentional about changing something. Like if the goal is to actually change the landscape, then you have to have intentionality of like every piece, not just, mm -hmm. oh, I'm going to hire you. But then it's like there's other pieces to that still. even. So, yeah. Yes. Tension, intentionality, that word keeps coming up. So great. Anybody else in your experiences with looking for talent, um, Black talent to help you? Some people don't care. And I'm not saying that it's something that you have to, everybody who works with you have to be Black, but it is something that if if, if so, you are helping another Black business person grow. Yes. And, and a lot of our illustrators, graphic designers, people do layout, they are struggling to find work because for as much as, you know, I can tell you this, I, I own a PR firm. It's not always easy as a black business owner to get work outside of the black community mm -hmm. when you're doing something like writing or designing, because there are ideas that we don't understand the process the way other people do. Mm -hmm. My company was hired to do the souvenir book for the World Games, 162 pages. It was amazing. I use I have a black graphic artist out of the Carolinas. He is dynamic. And so, you know, but getting winning those types of bids were very hard. It's very hard to do. And um, being able to show that we're diverse, we can do anything. I, I can, you know, my company can do anything that another PR firm can do. So yes. that's something that to, to, to keep in mind. I'm going to take a minute and start dropping some of this information into the comments so that people can um, contact our, our writers. And uh, we are going to wrap up with everyone giving a few positive words to our writers and to our readers. I want to say this. First and foremost, thank you, everybody, for being a part of the Pen Posse. Uh, we were talking about writing for the culture. We've talked about books and music and film and social media. These are areas that are important. I think overall where we come from or where we're getting at is that there needs to be a level of intentionality to put good work out into the world and know that that work will influence the community as a whole. But also be true to yourself. You know, be true. No one here, I think, is saying, you know, pre pretend for the sake of be true to who you are and let's respect each other's creativity. But also let's continue to to control, try to control the narrative so that we can tell our own stories in our own ways. So I thank you so much for being with us. And we're going to wrap up these last three minutes by giving everybody about 30 seconds to leave a drop of some positivity um into into this conversation for our writers and our readers and uh for those of you who have been with us the entire two hours and dropping questions thank you so so much i do encourage everyone to join the black writers workspace uh we will have the next black ink book fair in new orleans in may of 2024 so pay attention so we can get you all in mm -hmm. and be sure to add your books to directorauthor.com it is free and you get one free promotion with it so be sure to do that. So let's start with you. Let's start at the end. Um, Antoine, if you want to leave some uh, nuggets of uh, inspiration to our writers. Um, the question I get asked all the time is how to start writing a book. And I'm just going to take it back to elementary school. Um, just write it. It doesn't matter if it's good or bad. Just write it. So many people start and never finish. So just get the rough draft done. That's the very basics. Get the rough draft done. 
Even if you never do anything else, you can say, I wrote a book. Excellent. Thank you so much for being with us. I've seen you so many times on the workspace. It's so good to have some, uh, well, we still got a screen between us, but at least we get to see and talk to each other. So that's a beautiful thing. Thank you so much. I'm going to be dropping right now um, Antoine's information in the comment area. So be sure to connect with him. Buy his books, everybody. We're not going to be talking about books without encouraging everyone to buy the books of everybody on this screen and everybody you know that's out there writing. Support us because we need that support. So thank you. Dr. Kat, you want to wrap it up for everyone? Yes, thank you. I've really enjoyed this two hours, the chat, uh, working with the panel. And thank you again, Michelle. I definitely would uh, encourage, like Antoine was saying, start. And then when you get to a good point, get help. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like you're an excellent resource, Michelle. Anyone on this panel, I'm pretty sure, would help you through the process, whether it's review your draft, give you feedback, um, and then definitely please go out and support each other. That would be what I would share. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Dr. Kat. I am dropping her information right now in the comment area, so please be sure to go out and support her book. Good, Great information on self-help book. What do we do at the end of life? Is that correct? Guys, Yes. I'm 48 years old. I'm thinking about retirement now. Okay, I'm <laughs> thinking about next steps. Let's not forget that we need to learn about these topics. It is critical for us and our families if we're trying to pass on generational wealth pay attention have a plan so please be sure to go out and get her book paulette with all this great information thank you so much please um share with us give us a few nuggets of um, inspiration uh as a retiree I, i've been retired for 10 years i would like to say um good things come to those who don't give up I actually put that on, on my, my graduation cap because I, I got my bachelor's two, two years ago. And so, thank you. And so I, I agree with the other, with Antoine and Dr. Kat about write your story. It is so cleansing, it's so empowering, no matter what. And if you don't have time to physically write, Go on your phone and click on that notes app and just speak it and you'll start to have content and you can go back and transport that to uh, word or pages. And so um, I, I think that with that, um, with my show, I try to encourage authors. I interview authors, black authors. You're more than welcome to reach out to me. Um, to to interview your work and to get your your projects out there. So that's my purpose. Well, I will say this. Thank you um, for taking the leap to start a show for, you know, before I started this, I had never done podcasting, never sat in front of a camera to do anything but Zoom for work. And now I'm doing all these different things to try to open doors. It's yes. not easy. Um and so congratulations on what you're doing. For those of you who are trying to build a marketing strategy for your books, I have a podcast. Miss Paulette has a podcast. Reach out. Yes. It's like Stephen said, you have to walk in the door and say, hey, can I get my book in here? You cannot yes. write a book and then go get on a hole and think you're going to sell that book. Right. You have to be out there and being 
your brand. You are your brand yes. and your brand is you. And you have to remember that. So please take advantage of these opportunities. Don't send me emails and tell me how you can't figure out how to promote your book. Because I'm going to go, wait a minute. I said director author, Ms. Paulette has this. Uh, we've got all these things taking place. So yes. let's take advantage of those things if we can. So thank you so much. And I've mm -hmm. already put her information in the comment area if you would like to learn more about Miss um, Paulette and her, author Paulette and her information, I mean, her books. So Stephen? Yes, uh, thank you, Michelle. And thanks all to the to the panel. This has been, this has been great. I, I appreciate the opportunity. I'd like to leave a couple of thoughts for uh, some of the inspiring writers or struggling writers, whatever you are. Um, the first is a, is a practical piece of advice. Um, I like what everyone has said about getting started just writing. One way is you can trick yourself into writing by just doing an outline. Just kind of like saying like, these are the, the chapters I want to do. This one's going to be about that. And then break it into sub kind of scenes and just, just outline it. You don't even have to write that much, but you can slowly start. The more you write the outline, you'll kind of trick yourself into actually writing. So that's kind of a tip for getting started. Um, and then the other thing is that just embarking on the journey of writing something is going to be so transformative, really make it, you know, a, a chance to really investigate your own personal story, your own personal dramas and conflicts mm -hmm. and put that into the story. And it can be very therapeutic and even very healing. So mm -hmm. blessings. Mm -hmm. Stephen, this is my first time connecting with you. It's been great to have you. I hope you come back. I'm always big oh. on the male writers, so you got to come back and continue back. to be a part of what we're doing. I really do appreciate this. And I've also dropped um, Stephen's information in the comment area. Be sure to support him and to support his work. So, Ava, you want to wrap it up for us? Uh, okay. Um, sure. Uh, I guess if I could say anything, it would probably be like, don't wait for anyone to tell you that it's time and embrace the thing that you do that's not typical because I think I was very hard for me at first to really like do my projects because I was like I don't write like other people like no one's gonna understand like my pacing or like what I'm trying to do and there was just a point of like yeah but that's the point like <laughs> people are it's very unique it's its own thing and like when you're able to like just accept that about your work or yourself or whatever it makes it easier to just walk in a room with confidence like no it's supposed to be like that I can't tell you how many times I've had to say that to people who are like oh is it supposed to be like this I'm like yeah it's it's intentional and so like people aren't thinking that so you can design that narrative like you don't have to take somebody else's word on what you wrote it's like yes. you wrote it so yeah just to encourage that because it can be hard excellent thank you so much Alva just dropped her information in the comment area as well Thank you to everyone for being a part of the Pen Posse. We will come back in March with a new topic. If you're interested in being a panelist, when we put the information out for with the topic, we will also put a link that you can register as a panelist. So uh, we had about 25 people to register for this one. We selected only a few. Um, however, we do try to give everybody an opportunity to be a part of the Pen Posse. Once again, thank you all for being here. I'm Michelle Jackson. I have three books out there. If you want to learn more about me, you can go to www.authormicheldjackson.com. Um, you will see all three of my books, um, as well as if you would like to join the Black Writers Workspace and to add your books to direct the number two author.com. That is a marketing platform that allows you to upload your books for free and we promote them. Um, and you can also get book services, get on my agenda, we can talk, we do consulting, we do press releases for you. 
Uh, we do all types of services. So please be a part of that as well. So for all of you out there, thank you. We are still getting comments, everybody. They just won't stop. Um, so thank you all for being a part. We're going to end the broadcast now. This will be on YouTube uh, for life. So, so please follow us on YouTube um, at BW underscore workspace. It will be on Facebook on my page, author Michelle D. Jackson, as well as the Black Writers Workspace. And we will have clips of it on our Instagram page at black underscore writer underscore um, workspace. So thank you. And for you guys, stay where you are so I can give you a for formal farewell. <laughs>